When you hear the phrase first-gen American, what comes to mind? Oscar Velasquez, a first-generation American, wants to enlighten your mind to everyday life as a first-gen in today's America. There is a perception in today's society, and Oscar is going to dive in and dissect the reality of being a first-gen. Join Oscar and his guests from all walks of life, discussing their trial and tribulations in today's America. Now your host, Oscar Velasquez. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of First Gen American. I'm your host, Oscar Velasquez. Thank you for listening. And you're also watching us live on Facebook at FirstGenAmerican forward slash Facebook.com. Our special guest today, Felicia Santos. Yep, Luciano Santos. Luciano, thank you so much for, for joining us today. If you guys uh, follow us on Facebook, you probably heard a little bit or read a little bit about uh, Felicia's wonderful story. Young entrepreneur, just opened up a business in Amherst, September, in between COVID, which is truly admirable and amazing and uh, uh, ready to, to strive. And she's here to share our stories. We, we are moving into a new direction where we're getting first-gen Americans into a, a, a light of, of entrepreneurship and talking about their struggles as well as um, their background, which is pretty amazing. I like the direction of where we're going w- with this. And uh, I, I'm thankful that you can join us today. Thank you for having me. So, um, so Felicia, I know that a, a little bit about you has, has been put on social media, but can you let everybody know, um, the people that, that know you and, and that people that don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what you're currently doing? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously I'm Felicia. I'm 22. I'm a mom. I'm currently now a business owner, which is super exciting for yeah. me and my family. Um, I was born in Maine, raised in foster care um, from the time I was 14 and on. So in between 14 to 18, I was raised. I wouldn't be calling them strangers because thanks to God, they were awesome people. They're more like my family. But um, they took me in, and when I turned 18, I was also pregnant. So yeah. I became a mom young, um, which pushed me out of a direction I never thought I would ever be in. Um, actually, I was accepted into law school, and then two days later, found out I was pregnant with my daughter. So, you know, it was a lot of trial and tribulation, but mm-hmm. here I am now, so pushing and just going forward. I know uh, being a young mother... Uh, grown up in the foster care system, uh, how do you feel um, the effects you've have gone through, and and the way that you're raising a child? How how different are the dynamics? Um, so luckily and unfortunately, mm-hmm. I was put into foster care when I was 14. So I was raised by my mom, who had her own struggles and her own battles through life. Um, I've seen and been through things that normal childhood you wouldn't usually have. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think being put through foster care was supposed to normalize my childhood, which I don't think it did at the same time. It didn't and it did. Um, Being through school, you know, I had, I was close to my foster mom's daughter Mm -hmm. who was also adopted. Adopted, So people were confused when I was like, this is my sister. And it was a Caucasian, blonde haired blue eyed girl. And um, then moving to Manchester into my second foster home, I didn't have that. I didn't have the closeness. They took me in as their own. Mm -hmm. um, But I didn't have someone I'm like, this is like my sister, you know. And I was, I felt secluded. Um, I don't think people really, truly understood. I, I, got bullied here and there like oh well you don't have family you don't have a mom like you know oh you weren't raised right because you don't have anyone to raise you so it was hard it was really hard at first but um I didn't want to become another statistic so I kind of pushed it behind me and moved forward When, when you say statistic um how so um I think well I know people look at people that especially people of color, they see, you know, you don't have a family. You're already right. part of the statistic that they already have in their head. Right. Come um, from a broken home. Yeah, you're you're coming from a broken home, you know. Your mom was this, your dad is this, you know. Mm. You don't have money. Um, you don't get to wear, you know, the best clothes. So coming from a 
statistics standpoint, you know, yeah. I don't think they expected me wanting to go to college. I don't think they expected me wanting something better for myself. So I think they saw me and thought she's just going to be another girl on the right. streets, running around, doing whatever she wants and never going to make anything for herself. So when I say statistic, I say what usually people think about a minority a Once woman of system. color. Yeah. yeah. Once you're in the system, you keep yeah, you recurling. Keep being through. in the system, right. whether it's in the jail system or constantly in and out of court. Right. So. I know that firsthand because I, I grew up in the system and, um, and the expectation was already set for me because, you know, I was, again, you know, troubled trying to find my way and, and trying to fit in. And obviously the, it was just about a lack of understanding right. and the lack of approach towards the culture or the, the type of people or the communication with the parents. Mm -hmm. or, so knowing that you grew up in the, in the foster care system, how do you think that the system has failed you? Oh, um, many people now know it was from sexual abuse while I was put into foster mm -hmm. care. Unfortunately, it was my father who molested me and sexually abused me. So the system failed me only because like, just starting from beginning to end, the way I reported it, it was, I wanted to start with, you're never mentally prepared to report sexual abuse, whether it's your family member, whether, whether it's um, just a rape, a random person on the street, you're right. never, like, never mentally prepared for that. Um, I reported it in school and... I want to actually give out a shout out to North High School when I did go. The guidance counselor, I wish I could remember her name, but I don't, who took me in and did everything that she needed to do. The investigators, I'm not going to say or degrade them in any way because they tried and they fought for me. The court system, that's where it went wrong. Um, they basically looked at my case. Out of two years of abuse, they basically were like, um... We don't think this is going to stand a fair chance during trial. So we're going to give you a five-year restraining order against your dad and wow. call it a day. Um, I do strongly believe if it wasn't a little black girl against her white dad, a blonde hair, blue-eyed, stand-up guy, yeah. compared to a white girl against her black dad, mm -hmm. um, I feel like it would have been taken a whole different route. It would have been put onto trial. It would have been you know, looked yeah. at, I would have never been questioned right. from the moment that I gave the information to the minute of going to the lawyer's office. Um, it was a lot. And I never thought that no one didn't believe me up until the point where they're like, we don't think we can bring this to court. Mm -hmm. um, and just the investigation itself, it's very, very, very um, invading. Mm -hmm. They ask you questions straight down to the color of your underwear during the abuse. Vivid. Very vivid. And yeah. for me to have to go through that and relive that mm -hmm. um, just for it to be pushed under the rug and swept there and, you know, mm -hmm. this is all we can give you and this is all we're going to do for you. It was um, traumatizing. It made me not want to open up to anyone. It made me very angry. Mm -hmm. But the foster care system... Again, I wouldn't disregard or degrade the system. They did everything they could for me. Um, they wanted to put me through counseling. Again, I was very angry and I didn't want to open up to anybody. I opened up to a stranger and now look where, you know, I'm placed. I don't have mm -hmm. family. I don't have any support, you know. So when they didn't believe me, it really put a lot on me, on, on my shoulders to not want to open up, to not want to trust people, to not want to help anyone I felt like I wasn't helped so why am I going to care about anyone else so basically the system failed just because they don't want to help I feel like people that they can't believe I don't I think people would have looked at me and was like you know look at this little black girl mm -hmm. compared to a white guy yeah and you see that every day you see that every day you can go on the street and you could say you know they're looking for a suspect Right. And they say black male six foot tall. Mm -hmm. They're stopping any black male six foot tall just right. because they fit the description. And our system fails mm -hmm. because of that, because of just we blindly are racist. And mm -hmm. 
I do think race played a big part in my trial. First off, I want to say that you're incredibly strong for coming forward and reliving that, you know, and, and sharing your story because there's a lot of females out there that can be in your position and they're never spoken out. So thank you. I commend you for that. Thank you. You know, that's, um, I can't imagine, you know, I can't imagine what you went through, especially entrusting somebody. You're, you're in a stage in life where you don't know what direction you're going. Right. You don't have a foundation. You entrust somebody to bring you in. They're mm -hmm. going to be your safety net. And then all of a sudden they just take your complete and utter trust and tarnish it. Right. And being in the system, because you're placed in the system, as a child that is unstable, you're constantly unreliable. Right. So, of course, the things that you say are going to be questioned. Mm -hmm. But I think that the system needs to listen to the kids and, and really entrust that they're, they're being honest. They're not trying to manipulate anything, you know, and, and they're not trying to find a way to to tarnish a, a home, a right. home that brought them in. But when something like this happens, it's, it's, it's serious. And, and again, thank you for sharing that. You know, as a sexual abuse uh, survivor, how would you describe the, your journey of healing? And what would you tell somebody who has experienced sexual abuse themselves? Um, like I said, my journey of healing, I didn't trust anyone. It actually really affected a lot of my relationships. Um, I felt like I didn't, I couldn't find a healthy relationship. I found myself in toxic situations and I thought that was normal because my normalcy was toxic and abuse. Mm -hmm. And, um, so really just growing as a woman and finding the balance and just, you know, trying to figure out what is normal and what's not as far as the way to carry myself and, mm -hmm. It was a struggle. I mean, I didn't trust going to a counselor. I was like, why am I going to open up to someone random who mm -hmm. doesn't even know me, doesn't care about me, and talk to them about something so traumatizing and think that they can fix me? And it brought in a lot of anger, um, a lot of anger and a lot of pain and a lot of, you know, how can I explain it? And a lot of, honestly, trust, yeah, resentment and trust issues. Yeah. I could say, you know, to anyone that's going through it or who hasn't spoken up about it or has spoken up about it and wants to know how can they heal themselves, mm -hmm. it takes time. And there's never a right time to go and, you know, expose that hurtful truth. Because during my time, I the day that I did it, I didn't plan it. I didn't know I was going to do it. I didn't feel the urge to tell anyone. Right. Um and honestly, when I blurted it out to my guidance counselor, I, I smiled. And wow. she was just like, took aback. She was like, are you being serious? And I'm like, no, I'm being 110% honest. Yeah. And she was crying. And she was just like, I don't like, and I told her, I'm like, I'm not smiling because I'm um You're just desensitized happy. Like, to it. Yeah, I was just so over it yeah. and just so ready. Just, I didn't know I was ready for mm -hmm. that moment, but I was ready and I feel like this is why a lot of rape victims get put in a difficult situation because, you know, when they do come out and tell people, it's instantly, are you serious? Right. Are you sure? Like, and it's a second guess. Like, you get second guessed instantly. Like, are you sure that happened? Or, you know, so my best advice is just, you know, find a safe outlet. Find someone that even if it's, a complete stranger and, mm -hmm. you know, you're with your abuser, figure out a way to say it. Because the moment I did it, I was, I felt safe. I felt they took every action. Of course, they didn't let me go home. Right. They instantly called an investigator. Um, How old were you at the time? I was, I think I just turned 14. Wow. Just turned 14. So from the age of 12 to 14, um, I think I did so mostly because of I had a little sister, a little stepsister, mm -hmm. and she was getting older and it was starting to really bother me thinking like, is she going to go through what I went through? Mm -hmm. So fresh into high school, ninth grade, um, 
going through a lot of different changes as becoming a woman, um, you know, figuring it out, yeah. sexuality, you know, just puberty was all coming in at once. So yeah. um, I think definitely speaking up at that time was the best time for me. Mm-hmm. Now, there's people that go through abuse for years and they will take it to their grave. And those people, you would never, ever, ever, ever guess or assume that they're going through abuse. Never. They're, they're suffering in silence. Yeah, absolutely. And to those people, I just, my best advice is just really find a safe outlet. Whether mm-hmm. if it's you go to a grocery store and you go find a manager and, you know, mm-hmm. you tell them, I need help. Right. You know, anybody, anywhere. I know it's hard to trust anybody. I mean, I didn't even tell my mom. <laughs> yeah. I didn't tell my mom. I didn't tell. It was too close to home. Yeah. It was literally someone that was supposed to be my savior. Right. It was the person I considered a monster. Mm-hmm. What um, what made you say enough? I have to reach out to somebody. What gave you... Because you, like, well, like we talked about, you uh-huh. know, there's a lot of people that are suffering in silence. And they just have it in the tip of their tongue just to scream out and, and reach out to somebody. What pushed you to the edge to be able to connect with somebody and say, I, I need to tell somebody, like my, like your guidance counselor? You know? um, so that day, I will, I'll never forget it. That day, my friend and I, she wanted to skip class. Mm-hmm. She just needed a reason to get out of class. And we're like, let's go to the guidance counselor. And I think the guidance counselor was just, you know, what are you guys doing here? Right. And We've all done it. Yeah. <laughs> we wanted to get out of class. Yeah. And... Um, like I said, I just blurted it out. And I honestly, I don't know what made me do that. And even then, my friend was like, she tried to scare me a little bit. She's like, you know, they're going to do a lie detector test on you. And I was like, that's fine. Mm. And She had no idea. No, no one knew. No one knew. And wow. that day, it was like, like, I honestly believe God just gave me that control. Mm-hmm. He said, this is your time. Right. This is for you to, you know. This is your time. This is your moment. Get out of your situation. This is your safe place. And I loved the guidance counselor. Mm-hmm. And I thought about it here and there to tell her, like, you know, hey, like, I wanted to, like you said, scream. Mm-hmm. Be like, I'm suffering. I'm, you know, I'm being abused. I need help. And in ninth grade, you know, I was a small little girl and being bullied. And, like, I felt like, you know, no one liked me and, you know, no one would have believed me. And mm-hmm. who cares? Like... I felt like I was that girl that, like, if I died that day, no one would have even noticed. Were you, so, go ahead. Were you, um, were you a little bit more reserved or outgoing? If if we can go back to, you know, what would your friend say how you were? How was your personality? How did you how did you hide that, that suffering inside? So, I think everyone kind of knew. Like, I felt like I was, like, the weird girl. Um, not in the sense of, like, nerdy, but, like... Yeah. Um, actually, my dad would not let me do nothing. Um, I wasn't allowed to just, like, go have sleepovers. I wasn't allowed to just go out and have fun with my friends. I couldn't wear whatever I wanted. So my friends knew I was really conserved. Like, I just, you know, yeah, I was just very quiet. Again, like, I'm small. Like, it's, like, probably, like, 4'10". I'm only 4'11 now, so, like, 4'10". A new girl in high school, um... I didn't grow up with everybody like everybody else grew up with each other here. So trying to find my own crowd and my Mm -hmm. own friends. And um, I wasn't like the, you know, the cool girl. So I don't think anyone really took it by surprise when it came out. Because the next day when I went to school, um, I was crying a lot, obviously. It was just, I just told my biggest, darkest secret. Mm -hmm. Just got pushed put into a foster home that night and was expected to go to school the next day. Wow. And, you know, I went to school and I was crying. And one of my the friend who was with me in the guidance counselor mm-hmm. office and I went to the bathroom and, and a other friend came and she's like, what's going on? And I don't think people realize the insensitivity to it as well that like when someone goes through that, it's not something they just are going to open up and be, you know, very open with. And she's just like, oh, her dad touched her and you know she just said it out loud like it was nothing wow and I think back to that moment now to this day and I just thought about it I was like wow like this is how desensitized people are to the subject they don't they think like you know you're 
It can never happen to them. Yeah, like, yeah, if if it's never happened to you, then Mm -hmm. it's not something that you think is such a big deal. You know, they think, you know, it happens and you just need a couple sessions of counseling and you're back to normal and you'll get over it. And it's not that because it still at 22 years old, I'm not over it. I'm still very sensitive to it. I'm more open now about it because I have two daughters myself. So it affects me as a mother because when my first daughter, when I found out it was a girl, I was so happy. But then I started playing into the back of my head like, okay, she's definitely not allowed around this guy. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, like I don't want her sitting on anybody's lap straight down to the fact that I didn't want her father to change her diaper. Mm -hmm. It affects you all around. Wow. I, I can't, I can't imagine, you know, you going to your guidance counselor saying something so horrific that has happened to you. And then all of a sudden the system is saying, okay, don't worry, we're going to relocate you and go about your business the next day. Yep. That's crazy. How would you, how would you advise people, you know, the people that are in charge, you know, the core systems, uh, guidance counselors, what would you advise them to do in a situation, especially going through it firsthand what would you advise them to do or suggest honestly they did again they did amazing um they took me out of a very 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 difficult situation and did their best in their ability because the first thing they want to do is reunite you with family so they mm-hmm. asked me does your is your mom where's your mom where's your aunts and mm-hmm. my family's in mass and i was like absolutely not like mm-hmm. i love my family but i was not going to move out to mass and then they wanted to place me with my dad's sister and again I didn't know my dad until I was 12. I was always with my mom up until that point and my mom was in and out of jail and you know again had her own demons to battle so when they wanted to place me with just again strangers I was like did you not understand that I was just placed with again a stranger who was my father and he Mm -hmm. hurt me so why would I want to go to his sister's house? How would I entrust somebody else? Yeah so Um, they put me in foster care and it's kind of funny how it worked because in seventh grade, the, my best friend was actually the woman that I was placed with. Her mom was a foster mom. So I felt comfortable being in their home, but to be put into school the next day was a lot. It wasn't, yeah, I, I would think, you know, they would give in that situation, at least a day, maybe even a week of, you know, trying to get you into normality, you know, trying to at least set up a counseling session. But I feel like in just my situation, it was a nighttime thing. I didn't get into my foster home until like nine, 10 o'clock at night, Mm -hmm. was given a bed, go to sleep. We'll wake up in the morning and see how you feel. And I was very good at hiding my feelings. I mean, I was doing this for now Basically, since I could talk, I mean, my life with my mom wasn't easy, but you would have never assumed what I've been through with my mom either. So I was good at hiding my emotions and hiding my feelings and just getting up and going to school the next day. But just that day was a lot, you know, a lot of crying and a lot of hiding and thinking, does everybody know? Mm -hmm. Does you know, do are people going to talk about me? And, mm. you know, in high school, your reputation is like your biggest thing. Forget right. about the grades. Like you mm. want to be, <laughs> you're all about your reputation. Right. So um, for the system, I would just, I wish that they had given me a little bit more time to just, even though I was saying I'm okay, mm. I think it should just be a mandatory thing that at least the first couple, maybe 72 hours, you have to be, Doing counseling, yeah, being reevaluated, you know, yeah. just taking time for yourself because mm-hmm. it's traumatizing. So Absolutely. that's amazing. Guys, you're listening to First Gen American. We have Felicia. She's sharing her story and um, her journey, and truly amazing and admirable, and much respect for you to be brave enough to reconnect and, uh, you know, through the bad, we also heal come out on top are strong and um our business owners now you know i i I know that um that you are now in a position you know that are healing Mm -hmm. 
Would you say that everything you have been through has led to the idea of going into business for yourself, not trusting anybody and kind of motivating you to be like, if I'm going to move forward in life, I'm going to do it myself? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, so like I said a little bit before, um, I was applying to schools. I was wanted to be a lawyer and was accepted into Keene and then found out two days later I was pregnant. So... Um, fast forward to giving birth and just looking for a normal job. I went out to Aspen Dental, wanted to be a receptionist, and I got put into dentistry somehow as a dental assistant. And I loved it. I stuck with it. I just didn't like being a yes man <laughs> to a yeah. doctor. Um, that's something you have to be. I mean, a dental assistant, anyone that works in the dentistry um, field, you know that dental assistants are like the arm to the hand. Right. to the doctor without me i can't work well without me they can't work and without them i can't right. help either so it's a lot of teamwork but unfortunately a lot of doctors have the power trip because they're doctors and right. you know they can talk to you however they want and they wear the long white coats yep and i'm not into that <laughs> <laughs> i i'm very into respect so mm -hmm. um doing this and i've run into a few doctors which I couldn't stand and I've run into a few doctors, which I love, but they just moved on with their careers and mm -hmm. I couldn't go with. So um, this last time around, I was just like, you know, literally I was talking to my husband, like, I want a scrub line. I want to open up my own business. Like, mm -hmm. I'm such a petite girl, so scrubs are always baggy. I'm swimming in scrubs. And I was like, I'm going to open up a scrub line. I'm going to make yeah. my own scrubs. But like, I want it like Fashion Nova level. Like, yeah. I want every girl to want them. They're cheap, but they're cute and they fit well and they complement everybody's body, regardless, petite to um, oversized to pregnancy. So right. I wanted something like that and he was all for it. And then that was your first business idea. Yeah. And then I started second guessing myself. I was like, mm -hmm. well, why are people going to want to buy my scrubs and right. where am I going to get the material? Who's going to help me sew? Because I have no idea what I'm doing. And right. um, it we just. It went from that to I went to go get my eyelashes done. Shout mm. out to BK Beauty Bar, which is who I work with. And she gave me the opportunity to rent out a room, Megan Lemire. Yeah. She was like, hey, you're into teeth, right? Do you think you can do whitening? And I was like, um, I don't know. So I started, you know, looking up into it and I found a way to get into it and I did it. And ever since then, I've just been rolling with it. You have uh, you have five years of experience in the dental industry. Mm -hmm. Can you speak a little bit about um, your experience as a dental assistant? Absolutely. So I feel like, um, unfortunately, dental assistants are like the trash of dentistry. And yeah. we do the most work and we get paid the least. And mm -hmm. we don't have a lot of respect. And it was hard to find a great team that is teamwork but less drama. Right. And the doctor respects you and respects, mm -hmm. you know, how you work and instead of yelling at you can talk to you and um i was fortunate enough to work with amazing doctors of all cultures um amazing amazing doctors but some of the doctors i did work with they just i think i didn't go to school so i think they thought you know i down i was downplayed and you yeah. didn't know enough and whatever the situation may mm -hmm. be um but i worked hard to get to where I was in the field. I mean, I put in all my hours. I got radiology certified, did OSHA, CPR, like, you know, everything I needed. Oh, the certificate. Yeah, and I learned by the doctor. And I feel like you don't necessarily have to be, you know, in school to know what you're doing because, you know, I got to work with a doctor and I got to experience how the doctor automatically wants you to work. Yeah. And I learned from some of the best doctors and you know i won't sit here and say that i didn't love because because cl clearly i'm still into teeth so right. i you know i loved working with my patients and i loved getting them to a perfect smile with the yeah. doctor and you know some of the patients just were so amazing and you know i never wanted to get rid of them i've had patients cry in the chair with me i've had patients hold my hand through any type of procedure yeah. um 
I just I you're really it vulnerable all. when you're in the chair. Though. Yeah, because <laughs> that's the first thing you see is a smile. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And, your and smile your teeth, is yeah. your everything. Yeah. So if you don't have a good smile or you're not confident in your mm-hmm. smile, you're not you're not yourself. Yeah. So you know, working alongside my patients and having them trust in the doctor and I, and you know, it was such a good feeling. I mean, there's nothing better than you know feeling like you're helping someone. Mm-hmm live a better life. I mean, there was people that literally would come in crying in the chair being like, I don't even want to show you my mouth or like, you know, I, this is, yeah, really embarrassed. Like they don't want to even like let you take x-rays, nothing. And then by the end of it, they're like, wow, I cannot believe it. And then they're still crying because they're just so happy. So it's rewarding. It's a rewarding profession. Definitely. What is a day in the life of a dental assistant look like? You know, what do you guys do? Because so, I always see, I mean, I know you do x-rays, cleaning, and yeah. then the doctor comes in. He's there for like maybe two seconds and says, all right, <laughs> we'll, we'll see you back in uh, six months, you know? Right. Um, so um, a day of life. So you go in, you're usually really early to go in. Mm-hmm. You want to set up your operatories. You look at the schedule. You see what's going on. You know, we have five fillings back to back. So like, let's just pre-set up. Let's get the room set up for a filling. You want to mm-hmm. make sure, you know, the doctor has everything he or she needs you you're in charge of some places you're doing the chart so you're putting in chart information some places only the doctor will do it but um you get things set up you're charting with the doctor right. you're taking x-rays you're assisting the doctor in all the procedures mm-hmm. um as far as cleaning so that's a hygienist <laughs> yeah. but we well i used to polish for um, the doctor, if like the hygienist was running late or whatever the case may be, yeah. um, it depends on the procedure. So like if it's a crown, you're doing a lot of the work. You're taking the preliminary impressions. You're taking the final impressions with the doctor. You're prepping. You're re-cementing. You're doing temporary crowns. Yeah. So there's a lot to. There's a lot of people being scared re-cementing, <laughs> drilling. <laughs> yeah, I don't drill, but <laughs> I'm suctioning all the stuff that she's drilling out. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I didn't. I didn't really know what. Uh, I didn't really know and understand behind the scenes and how often people forget to thank their uh, uh, dental assistants. Yes, because they do a lot. You a know, lot of a lot of brutal forgot. work. Yeah, a lot of people. For, we're like basically the nurses right. of dentistry, but you are. Uh, yeah, nurses. the and during COVID, I will say. Um, it was kind of funny that no one was thanking their dentist for staying open because I was like, we're like mm. literally right there in your mouth. Exactly. Like we're going to the source of COVID basically. Right. So um, it was kind of funny, you know, the essential workers were thanked, but everyone forgot about their dentist because mm. we were open while you guys were still in pain yeah. and possibly having COVID. And, yeah. you know, there was only taking temperatures and everything else, but mm. we're literally going in people's mouths and like just drilling the aerosol that yeah. comes out of your mouth is spraying everywhere. So absolutely wearing a gown, the PPE. Yeah, all the PPE, like, but like times two. Right. I had to wear a 95 plus, oh, sorry, a mask on top right. with um, the hair. Yeah, face shield. Face shields, everything, right. glasses, everything, straight wow. down to like my feet. For eight so, hours a day. Longer because. Wow. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we get emergencies and. There's days we're supposed to be closing at, I would say with quotes, like I'm out at seven, but yeah. I'm not leaving until like 830 because wow. emergencies and we never know how long a procedure is going to last. So, Well, thank you for everything you've done. No, thank you. And I thank you for the dentist. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> how did you uh, how did you get started with teeth whitening? How did you come about uh, the fact that you that you wanted to still, even though you had some kind of indifferences within the field that you're that you were in? What inspired you to get into um um so obviously part of dentistry is teeth whitening i've done teeth whitening in office and i loved the outcome of people you know just coming in and walking out with a brighter smile Mm -hmm. something so simple that made everyone's day um i get so excited teeth whitening i like i'm sitting there watching my clients whiten and i'm like oh my god you're like bleach right now so i don't know what made me just really be like, all right, teeth whitening it is. Because mm. I was going to school. I swear, God doesn't want me to go to school. Because the second time I was going to school for mm. hygiene, I got pregnant. So <laughs> pregnancy stopped me going to school. And Congratulations wine. on your two babies, brother. Thank you. Thank you. They're blessings. But um, hygiene just wasn't an option. So 
when I was given the opportunity to run out room mm-hmm. in BK Beauty <clears throat> Bar. Um, she reached out first or? Yeah, I went to go get my lashes done and my yeah. eyes wouldn't stop bothering. So I couldn't get my lashes done. But yeah. now Lashes lash- and yeah. teeth whitening. That's a perfect combo. Right. It's that, on your face. <laughs> two, two, two strong, independent women right in your face, like taking mm-hmm. care of your face, your teeth. Your lashes. Right. I mean, that's that's pretty smart. Yeah, I mean, I the other girls shop. in BK Beauty Bar, they do facials, they do mm. waxing, they do lashes. So shout out to the girls that work with me. I love you guys. They've helped me, mm-hmm. you know, try to gain clientele. So I support them just like they support me. But um, I'm the only one that does anything with teeth. Yeah. <laughs> so, I that's mean, dope, it's though. a very unisex thing. I've had mm-hmm. a lot of male clientele come and see me, which... Mm-hmm. I think it's awesome because it's good to see a man taking care of themselves. I mean, definitely trust men, females look at your teeth right. <laughs> just as much as you guys look at ours. So yeah. um, definitely, I, I just wanted something that I can do and I'm confident in. And that was teeth. I'm right. not confident in lashes or facials or anything. And I have to go to a lot of schooling. So I, you know, I definitely am proud of the girls that, do what they do in BK Beauty Bar because they've worked very, very hard to get where they are and they're mm-hmm. killing the game. And the name of your business? Glam Smiles. Glam Smiles. That's awesome. Thank you. So I can think about many businesses, but what does it entail? Like, what was the struggle within opening up a business for the young women that are listening to you that have ideas with makeup lines or, you know, teeth whitening or lashes? What What is something that you went through that you would advise or, or kind of give that confidence boost to somebody that's starting a business, a female like yourself? You're going to be uncomfortable. You're putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation and yeah. position. And it's a lot of self-doubting. I mean, mm-hmm. I literally left a job with guaranteed money to... Mm-hmm do something I wasn't knowing if I was going to ever improve or if I was going to even get a dollar in a week. So mm-hmm. sometimes you really do have to put yourself in a really uncomfortable situation to become comfortable mm-hmm. and take the risk. Say that again. Uncomfortable situation to be ag- comfortable. See, a lot of people don't and know that. You know, they, no. they, they have this image, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you're, you're driving a nice car, you must, you know, everything's no. going good. You have a business now, you know, yeah. people reaching out, but... um. Yeah, the pain, the struggle, yeah, the sleepless you, nights. Yes, absolutely. Honestly, I did not sleep <laughs> for yeah. like a week. I could not sleep. I would, you know, try to go to bed and I'm laying there thinking, I'm like, oh my God, what is it going to be like? Am I going to even get like a client on my first day? And, yeah. you know, I had to do a lot of promotions. And sometimes you kind of have to bite a bullet and be like, you know, I do it all the time. Like if you book today, $90. Yeah. And, you know, just to get people through the door and you have to sacrifice because if I'm not getting clients, then yeah. I'm not paying my bills. I'm not putting right. food on the table. So really, like my best advice is get your idea mm-hmm. and run with it. Don't right. stop. Don't think, oh, my God, I can't do it. You know, right. it's not the best time. There's never a good time mm-hmm. to do it. Especially within COVID. No. there, And that's <laughs> another thing is like it's it's crazy the amount of support and the clientele mm-hmm. that I get. And even if they're not booking, they're just sharing my stuff. And I appreciate every single one of you who do it. And mm-hmm. you know who you are. And I love you guys. But really, like, there's weeks where I'm killing it, And there's weeks that I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, I need The ups to, and downs. Yeah. And I need to get someone in through the door. So yeah. um, you just have to do it. I mean, if you want to be successful, the only person that can do it is yourself. And right. if you're not standing 10 toes down for yourself. Mm. Don't expect anyone else to do it. So take the risk, jump, do it, catch yourself, you know, just get out there and do all your research first. Of course, you don't want to, I'm not just telling people just jump out there and do whatever, but um, definitely get your research done. Definitely. Yeah. And be humble. Always be humble and thank the people that support you because Mm. without my little group of friends and, you know, the people that supported me, I would not be here today. Mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, always be humble. Don't throw anything in anyone's face because at the end of the day, I do believe karma will circle around and bite Mm -hmm. you. And stop asking for discounts and pay full price. Pay full price, please. Support your friends. (laughs) That part. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, don't ask for discounts. These are small brick and mortar businesses. Pay Mm -hmm. the price, you know, because at the end of the day, these are your friends. And if you truly support them, don't ask for free services. 
Yeah. That's just my tip because I've I've been in your situation yeah. and, I, and and I know how it is. No shade to anyone. But <laughs> I love you guys, but <laughs> pay the price. I know um it's just so interesting that you you know you were talking about being in the uh dentistry world, you know, with COVID and being in somebody's mouth and you know they can be infected and and all that um can you tell me a little bit about the business services that you provide and how you're handling it with COVID? Yeah, absolutely. So Always, 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 you'll see me constantly hand sanitizing my hands during um, your visit with me. I wear gloves and masks. Mm-hmm. I use high-grade dental material. I use sleeve covers. I'm always wiping down. I'm not just, like, using Lysol. Like, I'm using professional-grade wipes that you see in the hospital to wipe down after every service. I mean, I've had couples come in, mm-hmm. and they're getting a service. I mean— they're already probably swapping their germs, but even before <laughs> they sit with me, I'm still wiping down. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's yeah, I mean, uh, it's true, but yeah. at the same time, you know, I'm making sure that you're safe and I'm making sure that I'm safe because right. I go home to two little beautiful girls who Absolutely. don't have like, you know, an immune system that I have. One is only right. going to be four next month and the other one's turning one in December. So yeah. their immune system's could be jeopardized and I don't know if or they vice have, versa. Yeah, or if they have any underlying issues. I mean, you know, thank God they're healthy, but mm-hmm. right now, you know, anything could happen. So I'm making sure you guys are safe and I'm making sure I'm safe myself. So yeah. What so what are some of the services that you have? So right now I'm only offering teeth whitening and teeth gems. Okay. Um, which I'm the only one who does teeth gems in New Hampshire. So yeah. I've heard. Yeah. But I do plan on expanding. I won't say with what yet, yeah. but I will be expanding and nice. opening a little bit more of services to give to you guys. Nice, nice. The teeth, I was seeing some of your posts and it. it's pretty cool how you offer and you're, you're detailed in, in your work and you actually show the progress, which is important. You know, not, Absolutely. not anybody just comes in and says, oh, the service, trust the product or the service. No, you no. Actually, yeah, the proof is in the pudding, like mm-hmm. they say. I know we talked a little bit, uh, um, we've had some little gems. There's some safe issues, you know, within your mouth. How do you find that the clients enjoy themselves within this wild pandemic that they come in and then they just entrust that or or vice versa, that um, that you're protected and they're protected? How do you, uh, it's an uncomfortable state. How do you deal Absolutely. with it? So, you know, they come in and the first thing I do is go over to my hand sanitizer so they know, you know, mm-hmm. I, my hands are good. I put on my gloves. Literally, I probably go through a box of gloves in two days just because I'm constantly mm-hmm. changing my gloves, even with the same client. I mean, I'm not using the same gloves, taking mm-hmm. them off, and then going and touching things and putting back the gloves on. Right. I'm changing my gloves constantly because mm-hmm. of the fact that, again, I don't want to cross-contaminate. I don't go touching doorknobs with my gloves. I don't go touching any of products in my drawers with my gloves on. I've been in dentistry for five years, and this is just, you know, things that I've been trained to do mm. with OSHA. So right. it's just built already drilled into my head Got with it. this. So anyone who works in medical field knows, you know, mm. once your gloves are on, you consider them dirty, even if you haven't touched that person. So I'm not going in my drawers and touching things. I'm yeah. not, you know, touching whatever, like unless it's for that person. So right. definitely that. What's the wildest gem you put in somebody's mouth? <laughs> um my favorite, it wasn't the wildest, but my favorite design was actually my ex. Yeah. <laughs> they came in and they yeah. did a heart and two diamonds next to it. And then nice. their girlfriend, yeah. who came in too with her, yeah. um, they did three diamonds. They did two diamonds on one mm-hmm. side and a diamond on the other. And I thought that was do pretty you, dope. What do you call this? Uh, the tooth? The, canine The tooth. canine tooth. Yep. Is that where the common place or where everybody Yeah, so I'm also pretty, you know opinionated if I think like your smile doesn't show that tooth I'm like well let's just move a tooth up yeah, yeah. so you know I don't do anything that my clients don't want to do if they're like absolutely not then I'm not going to do it then right. you know we'll do it on wherever you want but before I even bond it to your tooth right. I show you in the mirror you're looking at it you're making sure you're liking the placement mm-hmm. and everything else oh and, go ahead no no go ahead sorry and the other one that I liked was um a girl did f- Four of her, all four of her canines. Really? With a tooth and yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. I mean, I'm the right person. Yeah. With the right it looks good on her. Yeah, yeah. She looks good with it. How long does that last? 
Um, it depends on your habits. If you take care of it or not, it can last sure. years. It can last days. Yes. But my, yeah, well, years, it just really depends on how you take care of it. I mean, it's easy to take off. It's not something like you have to go to your dentist to like scrape yeah. off or anything. You can take it off yourself. But if you're taking care of it, you know, obviously I'm not recommending no one to not brush their teeth. So right. please, if you've gotten a gem <laughs> by me, brush your teeth with them. But, you know, yeah. you're not picking at it. You're not right. scratching. You're not eating weird things like right. biting into apples on that tooth. Right. So it just depends on how well you take care of it. And my policy is if it falls off before the 30 day mark, I'm doing it again for free. Oh, nice. So, um, what's, how many services would you need to get the ideal smile that you've seen customers coming in? Um, everyone's enamel is different. Mm -hmm. So I can't guarantee the shade that they're going to get to, but I can say, my one hour sessions, you definitely see results. I haven't nice. had someone that's left and been like, oh, I'm definitely not doing this again. Right. Knock on wood. So <laughs> <laughs> I recommend my hour sessions. I do touch up sessions. Um, the way it works is if you come in for an hour and you want to do a 30 or 20 minute session just to touch up, I can do that. And then, you know, we can work our way back to an hour session. Mm -hmm. um, my biggest thing is to create a healthy and happy smile. I will not right. accept anyone that I think has um, underlying issues or cavities or, you know, I see inflamed gums. Um, mm -hmm. I recommend to go see a dentist, you know, get your mm -hmm. cleaning, make sure everything's okay because um, I don't want to cause sensitivity. And I, right. not that because I don't want it to fall back on me, but mm -hmm. because, you know, again, working in dentistry, it's uncomfortable and I don't want to see people, you know, yeah being hurt by my service in any way. So, I mean, well, as long as you know your crowns, your fillings, yeah. your implants, and your veneers aren't going to whiten and you still want my whitening service, I will accept you. And as long as it looks like you have a happy and healthy smile, I will accept you. But I've had to turn some people away just because, you know, like, hey, it doesn't look, you know, like your smile is healthy. That must be tough, though. Yeah, it is tough, but at the same so what time, do you mean? I want my teeth whitened. Yeah, well, like, and I explained to them, like, hey, just take a visit to your dentist first. Like, you're gonna thank me later, right? Because you know, what do I look like whitening someone's tooth and then they have to go get it, <laughs> you know, go get their tooth fixed? I mean, it's not fair to them and it's not fair to me. I'm just basically stealing money. Well, so. that's that's admirable though, too, because you have that background. It's not like some random, some right. random just said, you know, I just got some products on Amazon. Um, I'm 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 starting to what you actually have that professional background. Right. That's an ease of mind too. You are a professional. Right. So um that's a that's an ease of mind because I I've seen some some products online where like you can for a hundred dollars you can get this yeah. whitening and, and you're like you're putting this foreign gel in your in mouth. mouth. Yeah. And then you have this light, you're you're and you don't know where it's coming from. You don't Absolutely. know if it's it's being FDA approved, et cetera, you know. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, my vendor, um, she's based in Atlanta and she uses vegan. Yeah. Um, so it's safe for pregnant women. That's good to know. Yeah, safe That's for pregnant women and children from 12 years and older. It's FDA yeah. approved and nice. as well as um, made in America. So nice. Um, I'm all for anyone who is wanting to learn to do teeth whitening, but I do recommend, you know, right. get into dentistry first because it's not just something like you can look at someone's mouth and be like, yep, let's do it's it. It's not like a YouTube you, tutorial. Yeah, like you need to know the anatomy of a mouth. You need to at least know your teeth numbers. Like yeah. um, you need to know when something doesn't look healthy or, you mm -hmm. know, you, you need to know also if there's a filling, if there's a crown. Like I right. can recognize things just by looking at them mm -hmm. and I'm honest with my clients and I tell them like, hey, you know, that crown's not going to whiten, right? So. Right. If you don't want to do it, I understand because that one tooth is not going to whiten. Mm -hmm. And they're like, no, you know, thank you for letting me know. So we continue with the whitening process. But if you don't know what you're doing, you're putting people at risk and you're putting yourself at risk because lawsuits can come. So Absolutely. be careful if you want to do whitening. Where's your location? Um, I'm here in Nashua, exit mm -hmm. A up Amherst. It's technically Amherst, but mm -hmm. near the Walmart. So, okay. yeah. What's the address there? Oh, it's like 101A. 101A, yeah. yeah. 114. And how long have you been in business? This is, I'll be official September 
from September 27th. So it's almost been a month. Wow. Yes. Brand new. Brand new. <laughs> so the beginning stages, the humbling stages. Yes, being humble all around. That's truly amazing. And how can everybody reach you and set up an appointment or talk to you and, and ask you questions about the services? Um, best way is through either Facebook or Instagram. My Facebook is Glam Smiles by Felicia Luciano or my Instagram is Glam Smiles underscore Felicia. Mm. Or you can text or call me. My number is 603-952-0000. That's a real number. Everyone thinks it's fake. (laughs) Truly amazing. A young entrepreneur, survivor. I can't thank you enough, Lake. And and so much respect. And, and, you know, the fact that you were brave enough to, to... tell your story but not only can you can i tell that you're healing but you're also thriving and that you. is you are an example of a true success story and a true entrepreneur on the rise and, and i'm so happy to um for you to share our story and that you're able to come in and, and join uh the the conversation and to share my platform with you i wish you and your business all the best i can't believe that you know Young women that are that are sticking together. I love to see these stories. Young women that are sticking together. Young entrepreneurs that are supporting each other. Get get your lashes full and your teeth whitened. Yes, BK uh, Beauty Bar. Yeah, yeah. And your business one more time. Glam Smiles by Felicia Luciano. Excellent, excellent. Hey, guys. You're listening to First Gen American. I'm your host, Oscar Velasquez. Another wonderful guest. Impacting lives and connecting with our community. Thank you very much. Next week, we have Mr. Barboza. Everything will be uh, the description and everything will be set up on the Facebook page. Felicia, Ms. Santos, thank you very much uh, for sharing. And I wish you all the best. And hopefully when your business is thriving again, six months from now, we'll have you back in. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for listening. Happy Friday. Wash your hands, wear your mask, be safe.